You already know that Illegal Pete's makes delicious, mission-style Mexican food. But did you know that Illegal Pete's uses its marketing funds to support Colorado creative talent that we love? We support the Denver Diatribe Podcast, the Grolix Comedy Showcase, Rocky Mountain Roller Girls, the Yellow Designs BMX Stunt Team, Apex Movement Parkour Team, the Underground Music Showcase, and more. We even have our own record label, The Greater Than Collective, with albums by The Epilogues, Snake Rattle Rattlesnake, Esme Patterson, Ian Cook, and comedian Ben Roy, and a starving artist program that feeds out-of-town bands traveling in Colorado for free. Illegal Pete's. We're more than just a restaurant. So, let us put our food... And music... And comedy... And sports... Inside you. Please. Please. Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 Hello, welcome to the Denver Diatribe, where we talk about news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado a state where we put off everything into the last minute, including executions. I'm Jared Jacang Mayor. Ron and Vanessa are here with me in the clock tower. How's it going, guys? Great. Good morning. And we also have Kyle Freeman sitting in with us. And Kyle, uh, how would I describe you? You are one of our favorite listeners, responders on Facebook, person who suggests awesome things, and you are also a longtime Denverite. Uh, yeah, I... Uh been listening since the eric isle episode because i know eric oh and, okay nice and then i know adam kate and holland so and then i after there was two that i'd listened to i was like oh i should probably just listen to this because i like it yeah and we wanted just to that kind goes of, way back that's, yeah that's, that's, it is that's way that, back that that's is a the, that's in like the 20s the long te- long time long time listener first time guest and so we're stoked to be able to bring folks on to uh share their opinions and uh not have to listen to us same voices talk about the same bullshit over and over and over. Also, it's just confirmation that people are in fact listening. Yes, we, listeners, you are not alone. Yes, yes, we, we have actually, one of you here. We wanted, we, we wanted actually to actually here. see you in the flesh to make sure that you actually existed. I was told I wasn't going to be the only listener. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, a little suspicious that there's no one else listening. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Then who's going to listen? If the pod, if our <laughs> only listen to his own yeah. podcast this more than he gonna... does the other episodes, are you kidding? <laughs> okay. And so uh, I'll get into which topics we're going to be talking about. But first, uh, if for those of you that listened to the last episode, you will know that there was a humongous nerdgasm that happened on the podcast <laughs> here. You can even here in the beautiful clock tower room, we can see the remnants of this massive nerdgasm. Uh, and part, as part of that, we we're giving away uh, free tickets to the Comic Con, which is Denver Comic Con, which is this weekend. And uh, as part of that, people had to send in their suggestions for who would be the best Denver superhero and the best Denver supervillain, villain, their suggestions. And so we'll talk about that at the end. Uh, and so the topics for today, Peter Boyles was, uh, the talk show host in Denver was involved in fisticuffs with his producer, some sort of fight. Either way, he's off the air. Uh, and we're going to try to talk about why and what we think about Peter Boyles and the, uh, Amazon, it seems has passed on the pilot for those who can't, or maybe not. We're going to talk about that too. And Seven Eleven gets deeper into the three, two beer debate and is facing off against craft brewers. We will, uh, we will debate that ourselves. So first off, guys, what the fuck happened between Peter Boyles and Greg Hollenbeck? This is his longtime producer. Okay, so first off, do we all know who you know who Peter Boyles is, Kyle? Uh, I recognize the name. I <laughs> like See, this is, okay. So this is I. I already took issue. The Westward wrote a story about this, and yeah. Westward posed that he is the best known talk radio personality in in all of Denver. And I completely disagree. disagree. Sure, I know who his name is, but I don't think he's he's on AM. I do not think he's on. He's... Well, he's on he's on K uh, How. He's on K How. K How, and he's been around for forever, for decades, years. for he's thirty been, years. Yeah, twenty. Doesn't years. he also host um, the the cable show? Am I wrong? Uh, the, he's the, or at least he was for a little while. The uh, one that Patty Calhoun is on. I think on he, PBS? I think he has Almost before. Likely. There's always been like a rotating cast of characters that will jump into those uh, PBS talk shows. But the, uh, the issue that came about last week was Nine News reported that during one of the tapings or after one of their 8 a.m. tapings, 
uh, him and his producer, Greg Hollenbeck, who's been producing a show for years and years, got the into Sheik some from sort Cherry of... Cherry Creek. The Sheik from Cherry, Cherry Creek, the <laughs> right. modern dater. Uh, <laughs> uh, got into some sort of, quote-unquote, physical altercation. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason Nine News reported this is because they did, their producers happened to be there uh, They were there at the, the exact same time and saw it go down. And saw, and saw it go down, and we can talk about what evidence there was of this, uh, of this altercation. But the result has been that since then, Peter Boyles has been off air and it seems that clear channel is trying to sort this thing out. I even listened this morning and it was, uh, Michael Brown Brownie was filling in for him. Uh, but, uh, so Ron, what do we, what do we know about what happened? And, you know, we can talk about why it had to be severe enough that, it's knocked Peter Boyle's Well, what, what Nine News reported is that they noticed uh, red marks on Greg Hollenbeck's neck. Uh, and then further on afterwards, they, they did a little investigating and they found out what happened is that uh, Peter Boyle's grabbed him by his lanyard <laughs> and was yanking him around by his lanyard. And it kind of gave him a little, you know, rope burn. Like a dog. Neck. Yeah, yanking him out on the, like a leash, like he, like he was on a leash, uh, which, you know, as, as a producer of a podcast i i have that feeling sometimes <laughs> i could do this i i have that urge if you guys wore lanyards i might grab them yeah and so and, and, how, but often, no, so anyway, and how often do we get in physical altercations oh very rarely if, <laughs> if ever uh I, those that happen are usually not we don't remember them the next day yeah and so if you know peter Boyles, he is always going for these really over-the-top Yes. issues. He's, uh, he's inflammatory. He's inflammatory. He's he was, he was the guy who was pushing the birther debate yes. in Colorado. Right. You remember that? I mean, he was like nationwide. He was bringing on all of these birthers and interviewing them over and over and over. He's been really heavily into the anti-immigration debate and kind of bring on people like Tom Tancredo, who was actually there for this, for this particular that's, show that's to announce That's why everybody was governor. there is because he was Tancredo was announcing that he's going to be governor. He's running for governor, that he's going to be governor. He and so it's not, <laughs> I guess it's not surprising to me that he would, you know, people in media, high pressure, you get in arguments, you get in arguments with your colleagues, other staff members. Sometimes there might be like, I mean, you can imagine a workplace scuffle where there's like a shoving match or something like that in, in different types well, of workplaces. He, I mean, do you think that this was major enough uh, that... If Nine News wouldn't have been there, then they would have, uh, you know, just passed this over. Or do you think that that's whatever? What I, yeah, that's what but, I was wondering when I read this. Like, if if, if there wouldn't have been so many uh, witnesses or spectators that day, uh, if if anything would have come of it, does this happen on a regular occasion? Uh, you know, what kind of it, it? It doesn't seem like grabbing somebody by by the lanyard and 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 actually causing them physical harm in this way would just all of a sudden come about one day. It seems yeah. like they they might be used to having this kind yeah. of tension, especially the, if he's been his producer for like twelve for, years, for twenty sure. years. Twenty, they, years. they've been working together for twenty years, and, and it's they, not, they it, have a history of blowups. They have a history of getting in big fights with each other. They, yeah, so, and it's not like it's not like Peter Boyles beat the shit out of him, no. or like gave him a black eye. I mean, Kyle, what what did you make of this? Uh, I think it's a big company like Clear Channel has corporate policies that they're going to have to investigate and suspend anyone accused of uh, any physical altercation, especially if there was marks. Yeah. Then they couldn't say, "Oh no, it was just taken out of context" or something like that. If there was marks on his neck that nine news reports, then they have to do the full process of it. And so they probably didn't want to suspend him, but they had to, they had to. Yeah. So they're, so they're obligated because of liability. You have this, if, if there's any evidence that some altercation has happened between any employees, you have to go through all of your process and due diligence. Lest they, you, they got get caught. In a loss. They got caught yeah. getting in a fight and nine news, put it on the news and therefore now they, they had to do something about it. Cause they were on the radar. If okay. they, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go, uh, it wouldn't go away. It wouldn't disappear. That's my take. I, I completely agree. With okay. That. So do you think Peter Boyles will be back on the, uh, radio soon? Or do you think that this could be, you know, I think a this way was to shepherd probably him out his the door? best chance of getting noticed again. It's been a while <laughs> since we've heard from him. I think we actually nominated him for asshole of the year two years ago. Uh, he was one of the nominees yep. and, uh, we haven't heard much about him 
since the the whole birther thing going on. So I think this might actually be really good for him, and they'll bring him back with a bigger contract. Whether it's Clear Channel or not, he'll be somewhere. Yeah. Oh, he's not going away. Yeah. He's not going away in Denver. He's a fixture. Yeah. Yeah. And, and hopefully he'll start great. a podcast. If, if yeah, he'll start it. a podcast. He'll start a podcast. That's where everything's going these <laughs> <Right>. days. <laughs> he might it's be better future. off doing it. It's the future. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to this, this next issue that all of us have actually been following pretty closely. Um, those Who Can't, the pilot, uh, comedy pilot that was put together by some of our friends, and we're just going to lay it all out here. We're totally fucking biased for these guys. We because are. It's, we it was are. made by the Knicks brothers, or uh, directed by the Knicks brothers, who we've had on our show that we've had a lot of involvement with, and also three of our friends, Adam Caton Holland, uh, Ben Roy, and Andrew Overdahl, uh, who we've are mixed in with a lot, but uh, news came out yesterday that Amazon announced its kind of first it's round picks. of picks for the, out of the 12, 16. 16, pilots that they funded, they, they gave the green light to two of them. And which were those, Ron? So they, they had eight, they had eight comedy pilots and eight children's show pilots, uh, 16 total shows. They chose two of the comedies and three of the children's shows. They showed five total. And uh, the ones that they chose on the comedy side uh, were the show Alphas, which is a political comedy about Republican senators sharing a house uh, in D.C. With some high-profile names. With super high-profile figures. John Goodman is the lead actor. They had a cameo from uh, Bill Murray Mm -hmm. in their pilot. Um, And and Amazon has been biased towards them all along. There was no... even if that show was completely terrible, they were going to pick it up anyway because they've already dumped so much money into it. They have to. Uh, and then the other one was Betas, uh, which is this uh, show about a startup company in California, these kids trying to scrappy little startup software folks. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Techie. Techie thing. It was actually the least funny of the shows, but pro- one of my favorites because it was a compelling story. And so then – the Denver Business Journal and some other outlets then reported their surprise that those who can't didn't get picked up. And, uh, you know, my reaction was, this is bullshit. Um, really upset about it because they got so much attention. They had probably the biggest groundswell of actual, like, support from, uh, you know, regular people. Uh, Absolutely. Especially in Denver on social media. They got a huge boost um, and a lot of people supporting them. So, uh, let's talk about that. I mean, those who can't not getting picked up, were you, were you kind of surprised by this? I was really surprised and really disappointed because tomorrow at Comic-Con, uh, I'm going to be dressed as Andrew Orvidal's character, <laughs> Coach Fairbanks. <Nice. laughs> Are you kidding? Really? Really. I, I had tried to get the polo shirt he wear, wears, and he said, no, that's the only one. You can't have it. So I'm going to have to go get a, oh, uh, wow. get a printout thing to put on a, a T-shirt and get the whistle and the cosplaying the gym teacher. Shaving off my beard. One of the rare times I'll shave off my beard will be for, for And so, Kyle, I mean, what do, you think, what do you think went on here? I mean, first off, I'll just say I'm not surprised that a betas got picked up because – it, it is their most high-profile. High it kind of fits into alpha, their public. Alpha House. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so alpha it's House, very confusing because apparently their own, Amazon only was choosing shows that had Greek letters in the yes, title. Yes, Alpha, Beta. Yes, if they had just named the show Those Who Delta, then they would have been fine. They would have gotten in. But anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, uh, Alpha House yes. kind of fits in with their you know political uh, – original programming that they had so much success with with kevin spacey yeah competing directly competing with netflix right yeah and because house of cards was netflix house of cards was netflix but it it seems that they've been able to demonstrate that these types of shows i apparently people who are interested in politics really like to stream uh shows and programs and are willing to pay for it so maybe that was in their thinking too and then beta's you know, these are Amazon studio executives, and this was a show about Silicon Valley, so they, I think they always had a sweet spot in their heart for that. But then uh, for those who can't not to even get picked up when, as far as the cost for, to actually produce those who can't versus some of these other shows, I mean, it has to be much, much, much lower and cheaper to produce this particular show. So, uh, Vanessa, Ron, what do you guys think? 
Well, I mean, I think it, your your sentiment is exactly what I was thinking. These two shows, the alphas and or alpha and, and betas, had kind of this pre qualifying, um, uh, you know, pre qualifications they had simply because they're trendy topics right now. You look at all of the political shows that are hot right now, Scandal being one of them, which is a network television show, um, and just this the trendiness of the tech scene in general, regardless of the quality of the shows. I personally didn't watch any of the other pilots. Oh, so yeah, I, so I watched I am, them all. You watched them all. I watched okay. them all. And Alpha House I did not like. I didn't think it was very good. I think it was they, – they half-assed it. They, they did the minimum. Uh, betas, on the other hand, was really good. I'm glad betas got picked up. Well, let's. I, this is another thing I'm curious about, and Ron, I think you can you have a little bit more information about this. But uh, it, when I read the Split Cider um, announcement, I didn't. I hadn't read the uh, Denver Business Journal announcement, but it doesn't seem like it doesn't sound like Amazon is necessarily finished picking. Yeah, that shows. that's actually a distinction because the Split Cider and linked to a Variety article, which said definitively that. Uh, Amazon had passed on some of the pilots, so had said we will not be picking up some of the other pilots and name them by name. We don't really know the status of those who can't. Just because they haven't gotten picked up in this announcement doesn't mean this is not something in the See, works. I, I think I think Split Cider and Denver Business Journal, either because they don't understand the film and television industry well or because they just didn't read the article correctly they made a presumption uh that things are dead in the water for those who can't and that's not not the case at all variety didn't say that variety yeah. said these are the ones they're picking up for their first round they were uh, a lot more careful they said they don't know what's happening with those who can't and the other shows that were pretty popular uh what's what i i after we decided we were going to talk about this, I sent text messages out to Adam Kate Holland and Andrew last night and Andrew responded back and said that, yeah, they're not getting picked up for this first round, but they still... Hold on, let me... They, <laughs> He's reading the uh, statement. Yeah, I'm reading the statement here. Um, Official tweet. He said, we might end up with a sweet hold deal and a script order, uh, so it could still be great. Um, that's that's one of the things that could happen for them. So Amazon could say, we're not going to... We're not going to do the show right now, but we don't want you to go away. We want to hang on to you. So they could actually pay them a fee to stay committed to Amazon and then order scripts, yep. uh, whether they actually happen or not, whether the show app actually happens or not. And then if that doesn't happen, uh, those who can't, the entire production is free to shop the pilot around to other companies, which I actually think would be better. Personally, well, I, I, think, uh, I think they would be better off going with another company anyhow. Well, they have that uh, relationship with Funny or Die. They have a relationship with Funny or Die. Um, I think Netflix would be willing to consider something like this, especially if they were taking it away from, from Amazon, Amazon, who's and declared themselves a competitor. And to see the, like Jared said, the, the popularity among yeah. the audience. Somebody will recognize that and say, this is, this is a show that needs to at least be given a Yeah, I, I think that that's one of the things that seemed to differentiate those who can't from some of these other pilots, which kind of came out of just the same Hollywood world and mold, but they didn't have the, the, the sort of appeal that those who can't did where it was a bunch of people in Denver, fucking Colorado of all places that could pull together a show of this quality. Uh, and that, that was one of the things that surprised me when I first watched the pilot, I was like, wow, this looks like, even though these are a bunch of people that I know <laughs> that are sort of random friends, they, they produced a pilot that, yeah, you, I could imagine easily seeing that on Comedy Central or in the same sphere as uh, some of these other comedies that we consume. On and they're, they're the only show that came with a ready-made audience, a very loyal, devoted, and sizable audience that was willing to watch them and would stick with them no matter what, as long as they were making the show here in Colorado and representing Denver. So quickly, guys, regardless of, of which direction this show goes, it gets picked up, it doesn't get picked up, Amazon, no Amazon, what do you think that just having this pilot exist means for this group of guys and also Denver? Kyle. Well, my hope is that if, as this goes well uh, one way or the other, which I really think it will, it's going to keep those guys in Denver. Right. Which I think is a concern for everybody that knows them. They, that they're they, going to take off to L.A. as soon as they... Right. I mean, that 
there, there's that's that could still happen, um, but they I think they've all become more resolved to stay uh, to to make sure Denver is their home base. They might they might be you know something might happen where they get called out and they're going to go do a season where they basically have a seasonal job where they're doing a show somewhere else, uh, and then they but they'll still be here, so they'll they'll still be the hometown guys because they've proven that elsewhere. that you can actually build build this infrastructure, yeah. which Denver didn't really have this comedy infrastructure. And produce a show out of Denver that before people would have been like, no, you have to do that in L.A. You have to do that in New York. You don't have the, the talent or the infrastructure here in Denver. Well, they've shown that they, that can be done. Yeah, they have. They have. I, I mean, they are now in the national spotlight in a way that the Denver comedy scene and those guys, uh, the Grolix guys and Nick's brothers weren't before. And so nothing bad could come of that. I don't, I don't see how this could turn out bad for them. Yep. They're in a much better position than they were before they did the pilot. So that's cool. Okay. Well, we'll have to follow how this goes. Listeners out there, if you want to uh, respond to any of the things we just said or speculate yourselves about what Amazon yeah, is can, thinking. Can somebody please speculate about the fact that Amazon and Colorado are at war with one another over taxation and yeah, how that, that played a role. So you, that's your conspiracy That's theory. my conspiracy. That's my because theory is the, that they the whole will not fight do over, it. over uh, Online retailers paying state and local taxes. I, I There's think something it, I, to do with that. I think it had something to do with it. Uh, I, do. I don't know. I'd have to tease that one. I don't really <laughs> no! know how those two things fit. No, it's true. Okay. It's true. Speculate away. Uh, go to our website, denverdietribe.com. Leave a comment. Find us on Facebook and uh, hit us up on Twitter at Denver Diatribe. So our next topic has to do with uh, 3-2 beer and blue laws and a fight that has been going on in Colorado uh, for decades and decades Since and decades, the beginning of but time. there's, there is this whole new aspect to it, uh, involving now Seven Eleven and craft brewers. So Kyle, you spotted this on, uh, the Denver Reddit. It was a, it was a poster that was hung up in Seven Eleven. Uh, yeah. Somebody on the Denver Reddit spotted a poster at uh Seven Eleven that said free your beer or free the beer, free the beer. And it uh, said that basically we want to sell you, we can only sell you 3-2 beer, we want to sell you real beer, but we can't because of Colorado's outdated liquor laws. Go to this website to find out more. And then the website appears to be mostly just gathering emails, email addresses. Yeah, it's Colorado's for convenience, uh, dot com, I think. Yeah, and you go on the website, and it's <laughs> it's pretty austere. I mean, it's pretty well designed, so at least they got yeah. a, a good designer nice. yeah, to, nice. to pull it together. But they're trying to – I think it's like 7-Eleven is trying to take this tact where it's like, hey, consumers out there, help join us to help uh, change the laws and help get you beer, trying to get um, support at the, at the ground level. But – Vanessa, what did you, uh, you, have you followed this whole debate for years? You know what we're talking about? I I do. I do. Um, uh, at least in terms of, well, I, I know what the craft brewers, how the craft brewers feel about it. And I know how the big, uh, distributors feel about it, such as Coors. And and they're the ones who are trying to push, you know, for more competition in these stores so that it's not just, and uh, I'm sorry, not the small craft brewers, but, uh, you know, the, the, the problem is with the distributors, Yep. The distribution companies, and that is that the big distribution companies, uh, they have more access to these stores. They get to actually, you know, they have more of a say in what gets placed in the stores than the beer companies actually do. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, they, it's, it's very difficult for small craft brewers to, care, to, to tap into these big distributors. They can't afford it. Yep. So, it's, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and lay it out here. So the, the tangle of blue laws that are at issue here that you know date back to prohibition or whatever. One of them says that um, a, someone can, a person can only hold one liquor store license. So you can't hold multiple liquor store licenses from multiple locations. Correct. The other part of that, which means that you don't have chain liquor stores. And it also means that chains can't provide full strength alcohol in all of their stores. You can't, chains can sell alcohol, but it has to be um, only beer below 3.2% alcohol content. And so this is the type of thing you go into the grocery stores. And, uh, if you just don't care about how much alcohol is in your beer, or you actually like the fact that it's three, two, you can pick up a six pack there, but you can't get full strength alcohol. You can't get wine. You can't get, um, uh, 
you know, other types of liquor at your Seven Eleven or grocery stores, but you can, but each grocery store, each location can have their one place. So you have the one target that can sell wine and full strength beer. You have the one King supers. Uh, you'll probably have the one trader Joe's that can do that. Um, but the big resistance now, Ron is from all of these small craft brewers. And this is where it really took off on Reddit, right? Kyle, where, where the debate was between if you change these laws, you are going to put all of these small craft brewers and the, and, and the and independent small, liquor and stores, the independent liquor stores out of business. The reason why we have such a, um, robust craft brewing industry in Colorado is because of these laws. So we can't change it. Uh, Kyle, uh, where do you actually fall on this debate? Because I know where Ron and I stand. I, I think there needs to be some nuance to it. And, uh, like for a long time, I felt that it really just, that it's stupid anti, uh, competition rules and that they should just get open it up for everything and that'd be better. And then I started meeting some of the, uh, brewers around town, the small brewers and heard what they had to say. So I kind of went the other way, but then I think there's, the laws are so complicated and weird. Like the grocery stores that can sell uh, full strength alcohol, their license is a pharmacy license because, mm-hmm. and that dates back to during prohibition, it was you could get alcohol with a prescription, but only pharmacies could do it. They had to have a liquor license. Oh, I got a cough. I need my blackberry brandy. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's, and there's a few of those farm little pharmacies left that Capitol Heights at uh, 12th and that's which right. is an awkward little place. It just changed hands, which I'm kind of curious how that's going to turn out, but it's cause there's not really small pharmacies left. Yeah. So, I mean, would you be in favor of changing these laws so that uh, convenience stores and grocery stores could, could uh, sell full strength alcohol? I think the, some of the, proposals they've done where they do like where it changes a little bit or it's uh certain things have to be done to get a license like one of the conversations i think it was maybe two rounds ago was that they would uh grocery stores could get a license but they would have to buy a license from an established liquor store uh so it wouldn't Uh be it would be a one-for-one swap yep uh the thing I would kind of like to see, but I really doubt whatever happened would be to uh, open it up. So it's not just pharmacy grocery stores, but any convenience store could have one that sold full strength alcohol. So there could be one Seven Eleven because currently Seven Eleven yeah. couldn't get one. Yeah, all convenience stores, all convenience stores that so, don't have pharmacies. I got you. Yeah, okay. So that would make open the door for neighborhood <clears throat> bodegas that could earn profit off of selling alcohol and then also have groceries, which Denver just doesn't have those. And it really makes it hard to like be able to walk to the grocery store because they're all big grocery stores in Denver. See, I guess my take on this is, is twofold. These types of anachronistic protectionist policies, uh, are ridiculous. And there's no, there's no, if, if our, if our goal was to try to foster the craft brewing industry. Well, let's find a way to do that with actual laws or economic development or, or other things that will, that will do that directly. Let's not keep in place this, this web of, of laws that could be applied to anything. I mean, if we, if we want to support small businesses, why don't we, why don't we pass laws that, you know, uh, you can only have cupcakes can only be sold at specialty shops or, you know, br- artisanal bread. Only can really only good be cupcakes shot. are sold at small bakeries, John, Jared. <laughs> or, or uh, you know, bread can only be sold at, at bakeries, right? You'd have a whole influx of bakeries that would open up because people would have to go and get their, their bread from special bri- uh, uh, bakers. But that wouldn't be – people would say, well, no, that's ridiculous, if if you have if you want to open up a specialty bread shop, you can do that. There's no laws against that, but we shouldn't craft laws to make sure that you just don't have competition in that regard. And the other my other argument against this is I don't really think it would be that bad for craft brewers and uh, small mom and pop liquor stores. I think some of them probably will go out of business, but the ones that will stay in businesses stay in business are the ones that uh, are the best at what they do. Will provide the biggest selection, uh, 
craft brewers uh, in other states seem to do pretty well in states like California. I was in Idaho. I went to like uh, a co-op and uh, they had, you know, a full huge selection of different types of uh, uh, craft brewers from Idaho, from other places like that, because not, their consumers not at that. the, not at the same diversity as you would see in a Colorado liquor store, not not as like a liquor store or you would see here in Denver. some of the Colorado liquor stores. Some, some there's sure. some really right. crappy mom and pop liquor stores. Absolutely. Sure, of course there are. Now, now imagine that's basically you think of the really crappy mom and pop liquor stores, how they service uh, the, the liquor sales, and imagine that's exactly what a convenience store would do. They would they would go to the lowest common denominator. They would sell the things that do the best, and distributors would favor those uh, liquor stores and those convenience stores over these smaller places that want. We just the places that say no. We just want to. We just want to try selling two cases of that. That's not gonna. That won't happen if you switch over to the. Con, if you allow convenience stores to do it, it's all going to become an issue of selling on volume and who's going to take what. And then also the matter of prices. Imagine if Costco sold liquor. Here in Colorado, imagine if Costco could sell beer and you could go and get fat tire at Costco, get a huge case of fat, get tire a huge for... case of fat tire at Costco for significantly less yeah. than you would anywhere else. That's going to cut into your budget of buying beer elsewhere and trying these new things. So the only, the only people that are really going to win out from this would be the, the, the craft brewers that are right on the verge of becoming Domestic brewers, they're, they're about at that 300,000 barrel mark. Uh, so I think New Belgium would do very well with this. They would do just fine because you'd start seeing fat tire in convenience stores. Well, they're already being distributed by uh, what's the distribution company that, that Coors... Uh, I think it's called Coors Distribu- Distributing. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. The New Belgium is already being carried by the bigger distributors. Right, so. so they're already being carried by the bigger distributors, so they would then become available. And... Uh, they would do fine. Odell's would do fine. Some of the really large brands would do fine. But these really small places, people are going to skip over them because when they go, they're going to go to the King, King Supers. They're going to go to Costco. They're going to do their grocery shopping, and they're just going to buy their booze there and then go and not realize there's this whole other world out there. I think the good balance would be to take, take the really big brand names, let them sell full strength at the convenience stores, but limit uh, that craft brewing is only available in independent liquor stores. I, uh, that doesn't, I, 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 I don't know I, if that I actually think, helps the situation. Yeah. I think that might cause actually more, uh, more disgruntled, uh, disgruntledness among, among the, uh, both the, the, both parties, all, all the parties that we're talking about right now. Oh, it seems like though, with this campaign, would be cool with it. Of course, they, yeah, of course they, they, they're loving that this is happening anyway, I think. But this campaign that we're talking about with this poster, so uh, my sister saw this poster uh, a couple weeks ago in the Safeway in Boulder um, and, and came back and she's like, oh, well, they want, you know, they, they want to sell beer there. Wouldn't that be a good thing? And this is where I think the problem is going to be how the small brewers are going to market against this campaign, whatever this campaign ends up being. You know, whether if, it, if it's collecting signature or if it's collecting emails right now, is that going to be then to turn those emails into lobbying power in the future? How, I mean, where, where this goes, I think, is where the danger is. Because for most people who don't know about these laws, and let's, let's be honest, what we just talked about here, it's so convoluted. And so there are so many levels of this that it's difficult to understand and to become sure. educated about this. Um, that the majority of the people out there, whether or not they like small brews or big brews, whatever, um, are just going to say, yeah, we want to buy beer, the beer that we like, in our Anywhere grocery and store. We can. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and I think that that's what it comes down to. I mean, I think that your average consumer, just, just for the sheer convenience factor of being able to buy regular beer and not having to make an extra stop. And yeah, uh, some Safeways will only, might carry just, they're only microbrew or different kind of brew might be New Belgium or maybe one other. And then, you know, they'll sell a lot of Coors and past Blue Ribbon and stuff like that. But then there will be other major grocery stores like ones in Boulder or ones in Denver where they've had to really diversify their selection of products in terms of produce, in terms of other products, in terms of integrating organic food, things like that, because in in that in those regions, in those areas, they have to do that to stay competitive. Those supermarkets will actually have to stock 
a pretty wide variety of of microbrews um, and local brews and other local craft brews. Like they will have to step that up because that's who they're catering to. And and a lot of these other small mom and pop liquor stores, I think that there's a distinction here. I mean, there's like the we call them the crappy liquor stores, but I mean these are the ones that you go in. The vast majority of small liquor stores that I go to, they're not carrying any microbrews. They're not carrying any craft brews now. You know, they're not doing it now. They're barely carrying any of that type of stuff because the people that go in there aren't, they're not wanting to pay 10 bucks for a six pack. You know, they want to pay five bucks. And so that's who they cater to. The places that do have that wide selection are the liquor stores that are in areas that cater to people like us that have this disposable income and this palate and this demand for this huge selection of craft brews. I don't think that that will necessarily go away. Places See, like Mondovino are I mean, still going to be I'm, there. And I'm, be bi- I'm biased because I, I have a really weird liquor store right by where I live. It's Grapevine Liquors. It's right next to the King Supers on South Monaco and Leedsdale. And they have, they're a little tiny mom-and-pop liquor store, and, but they have a phenomenal selection of uh, craft beers and wine and other stuff that, uh, that you wouldn't normally get in a liquor store that size. And I, I just I don't want something bad to happen to them in the process. I guess the, the other thing is you think about Renegade Brewing. If Renegade could not sell to 7-Eleven just one 7-Eleven store, Renegade could not sell to just one in one small place, one grocery store. It would have to sell to the entire chain. And by doing that, they would have to grow to a point where that they can't handle. They would have to get large enough that they would have a distributor working with them. They can't sell directly, which is the key thing here. Right now, brewers can sell directly to liquor stores as long as they keep their production low. They can't do that with 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven buys in volume. So they wouldn't be able to do it. They wouldn't be. They would be. But see, I don't think. Limited I don't think that in. places like Renegade or all of these craft, the the dozens and dozens that have opened up in Denver and I'm just the surrounding region just in the last year, they're going to be impact. They would be impacted, sure, but not as, uh, not as greatly as they are putting it out to be because they're not getting their full nut from just selling to liquor stores. A lot of them have bars at them, right? And that's actually I, I don't know the how much they make from those versus how much they, they sell to other places. But every time I go into places like the Denver beer company and other locations, it's like they are a very successful bar. Well, yeah, I'm I'm using, I'm using, I'm using Renegade. I'm using Renegade as an example because they are, they're one of the, the early guys that got in and they are canning and they are, they are on a big uh, distribution growth thing going on. They're selling cans and they're trying to spread. So they would be an example of somebody that would want to get into 7-Eleven and not be able to. Well, I think the thing is that currently the way it's set up is that a brewery can smoothly transition from taproom only to distributing kegs to bars to doing limited release bombers uh, like uh, um, Copper Kettle. Yeah, Copper Kettle or River North. Yeah, Those ones that – and then smoothly transition up to – like the um, the bigger ones, where they're in every liquor store now has Breckenridge and uh, Wincoop because they've gotten to that size, and it they were able to smoothly transition from being only in a few liquor stores to being in every liquor yeah. store to being, you know, that that's uh, that kind of growth. Where when you if they change it the way they're talking about it, there's going to be a big jump that needs to happen to go from the hand sales at the boutique liquor stores where you can ask for advice and get it to the big grocery stores where I shop in the King Supers that has a liquor store. Yep. I can't find anybody in that liquor store to give me advice to even find that King so- Supers in that liquor store is the worst in the whole fucking st- I hate that King Supers. So don't even yeah, no I'm sorry, go on. You, yeah, they don't there's nobody there that knows what they're talking about. Can't give you good advice. They can't give you good advice. But this kind of gets back to my, my earlier point that if you wanted that type of advice, then you would go to liquor stores that provide that type of knowledge base. They're going to be specialized in that. They will be forced to actually have to up their customer service if they want to survive. And the plate, you know, I can think of several liquor stores uh, off the top of my head in Denver that have that type of service. So when I want something, when I want advice about a good, good bottle of wine, I go to Mondovino in Highland Square. I mean, those guys, I just 
say generally what I'm looking for. And man, they always pick out the best stuff, right? But if I just want to pick up something on the way over to some gathering or something like that, over to some friend's barbecue, you know, I want to be able to pick up my hot dog buns and a six pack of (laughs) a full strength beer at the same time too. I think that there's room for everyone. I think that the, the sort of apocalypse that people are predicting on the liquor store and craft brewery side is overstated. Yeah. I think what you're saying is, and I think I agree is open up the market and up your game. Everybody. You might have to, as a small liquor store, start marketing yourself and marketing your customers. Capitalism. You libertarian. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it because I sort of agree with you. (laughs) All right, fine. Okay, well, this debate is is continuing and getting pretty hated. We thought it was over on the uh, Denver on the Denver Reddit thread, right? Or is it like some some sub 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 Reddit subreddit? The Denver subreddit, (laughs) yeah, which kicked us off because we don't know how to use Reddit. We'll post a link to that uh, and and tell us where do you fall on the free beer, free your beer issue? Uh, Do you support it or are you against it? All right, so let's get to the announcement of who is going to win the Comic Con tickets. Post nerdgasm, we put it out there to listeners. Figure out who is your who would you who would you imagine as a Denver superhero and a Denver supervillain? We put it up on Facebook, and we even had some pretty awesome hashtags going on on Facebook. Denver um, supervillain, Denver superhero. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that that my Denver supervillain didn't get in the mix. It was George Karl Marx. <laughs> He's the evil twin coach who leads the backbencher revolt against superstar players and imposes uniform ball time. He's a communist <laughs> Marxist uh, version of George Karl. Does uh, he rescue Chauncey Billups? <laughs> no, he's, you know, he, he, he sends he sends him to the gulag. Oh, I think he. Oh, okay, I yeah, see. I think he's already, he's done. already done that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Ron, do we have any other ones that we'll yeah, put out there yeah, before I'll, we get I'll, to the? I'll winner? share. I'll, I'll share some of the honorable mentions. So there was there was Gordzilla. Emerging from Sloan's Lake, he annihilates all organic fruits, vegetables, and roadside Mexicans who peddle their homegrown produce. That was really good. Uh, somebody obviously uh, threw out Big Blue Bear uh, as the superhero, supervillain as Demon Horse uh, or Dinger. Um, <laughs> or Dinger. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Big Blue Bear would do berry things like maul criminals to death or give out blue hugs. That's to a kids. Denver superhero. That's a Denver superhero. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. The Councilwoman Rosarita Hernandez. I like that. That's nice. <laughs> she already is. She already wins that one. Uh, hipster man whose greatest weakness is physical labor. <laughs> as, a, as a Denver superhero. Uh, the brewmaster, which was, somebody actually did a, a picture of uh, Governor Hickenlooper, and then he had like a super, he had like the, the emblem on oh, his chest. Good. It was really good. And then, and then he said he also goes by the fracker. That's his, 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 <laughs> his, e- alter ego. his evil alter ego. I want to see that comic. Yeah. Really. <laughs> uh, let's see. Doc, Doc Wheatgrass and Mr. Pesticide. Those would be bolder at superheroes and supervillains. Uh, and Kyle, you didn't you have a uh, superhero supervillain that you threw out there? Do you I don't remember, remember what it was? What you said it? you said Rocky the Rocky the Mountain Land. You oh just yeah, said, yeah. You, you said, said Rocky. The oh, Land. and I posted that video of him doing the uh, slam dunk contest. That's right. That's right. As a superhero, yeah. save us, Rocky. PBR man and hipster girl fighting crime, non-vegan options, and villains you've probably never heard of. Yeah, there are there are a lot of really good ones. It was great. So we we narrowed it down to some finalists and. Uh, uh, you're going to tell us the winner? So Joel, the winner, Joel revealed the winner. Joel revealed the winner. It is somebody named Nicole McCormick. The villain is Gentrification Man. Immune to zoning laws and chock full of white guilt, he and his developers create a ruse leading folks into believing that Five Points plans on bringing back the jazz, even though they wiped away any and all remnants of Mexican culture from the highlands without even blinking. His mortal enemy, naturally, it's Five Points Jazz Man, whose only powers are ski diddle dee bop, scat diddy, scat diddy, scat scat scat, pow! Pow! All right, so, Nicole... Congratulations. Awesome. Congratulations. Good work. Have yeah, fun you, at Comic-Con. Yeah, you won a weekend pass to Denver Comic-Con. Okay, guys, let's do some love or a hate. Kyle, you're our guest. Uh, I want to do love for that uh, Denver subreddit. I've really been, I've been on there for a few months, and there is, I mean, it's Reddit, so there's some trolls on there. 
anybody who posts that they're uh, looking to move to Denver is going to get some a couple Flamed. of people saying don't. But there's people giving really good advice. I had bought an extra set of tickets uh, to one of the events during Comic-Con and was able to sell it very easily uh, to somebody on subreddit on that Reddit. I just posted and somebody contacted me. And uh, really interesting conversations, pretty pictures, uh, just a lot of people that really love Denver and uh, have interesting things to say. They kicked us off because I don't understand Reddit and I post too many self-promotional links oh, yeah, for Denver Dietrich. Right? Right? You got to read the rules. <laughs> See, I <laughs> you don't I didn't understand. I, I seriously did I didn't understand. So I actually want to try and get the, the whoever runs it. I want to get them on the podcast. Okay. So we can talk we'll to them about there. the rules. So for the rest of us that just don't I don't understand Reddit. I'm I'm on the internet all day long. I still don't I don't get Reddit. Well, maybe Kyle, you can be our our liaison. our liaison you can be our denver superhero on the reddit and they have uh they have meetups like three meetups a week wow really what? yeah oh. they have a game game night that rotates around different breweries it was at uh it was at uh wit's end yesterday uh sometimes it's at uh denver bicycle cafe oh. um and then there's they do win coop on thursday nights play pool and then fridays i think they just get together and drink it Knob Hill on. Do Devil they Hill. try to solve crimes like they did with the Boston uh, Marathon bombing? Um, they try to. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's that, that, that. The collective superhero will be yep. Mr. Reddit. Okay, Ron. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, since we were talking about beer, uh, I'm going to quickly love on PBS's new show called Colorado Brews. It's a local oh, show here that's about Colorado beer. To, that sounds awesome. A uh, couple couple of nerdy beer. A couple beer nerds talking about Colorado beer. Is that on Saturdays, Sundays? You know? I have absolutely no idea what day it came okay. on. I randomly was flipping through the channels and saw it and watched it, but I don't remember what day it is. Just go to go to Colorado PBS. Go to the website and you'll find it. Rocky Mountain PBS. Cool. Uh, I'm also going to love on ecumen- ecumenical refugee services because they are the only of. Uh, a donation organization that will take a full size couch and pick it up for free. Ecumenical, ecumenical refugee services. Look them up. They will. They're a nonprofit that helps refugees. They help refugees. They're a nonprofit that helps refugees. Uh, and they, yeah, they'll send out a truck to pick up a full size couch, which is really hard to get people to do, which is super awesome. And then I'm going to hate on high waisted jean shorts. Ladies, it wasn't cool when it was in, in style 20 years ago. It's still not now. Don't do it. The mom, mom jeans. Yeah. Mom, back? Like Daisy Duke mom jeans. Oh, what? Yeah, it's so ugly. Oh, Boulder Creek Festival terrible. was just well, a Boulder Creek Festival. Yeah. Well, it was Boulder, yeah. <laughs> Boulder Creek Festival was just a, it was a camel toe showdown. <laughs> it was terrible. It was so bad. Don't do it, camel ladies. Let, let this, let this. F- uh, fashion trend slide okay okay vanessa that's love awesome hate. uh i'm gonna love on federal valley motors um i've been taking my car there when it breaks down for many many years and had a big breakdown a couple of weeks ago and i just love those guys they're really um you know it's no frills nothing fancy there but you don't get ripped off that's the best thing especially for somebody who doesn't know a whole lot about their cars when they get messed up so they're uh out in westminster okay cool well, i'm gonna love on a kind of new s- online startup that I came across that um, is here in Denver called Tentico, tentico.com. Have you guys heard about this? Oh, Mm-mm. What it is, is they organize, you could call them classes, but they call them experiences. So they find someone who's a local expert and they design some sort of experience that you actually go to. So it's a kind of a mix between an online course and like a community college course, but they're very eclectic. Like there's one and you, you pay, you become a member, you pay for, for each experience that you want for the summer. They have ones called finding food in the city. Uh, another one called evening ramble through Denver's historic highlands. Uh, the farm and creamery tour with fruition farms. So there's like a whole list of all these things where it's kind of like regular people who have an expertise in something here in Denver and they design something and you can kind of pick and choose and go to one that, that interests you. But I thought it was a pretty cool idea. I haven't tried any of them, but um, you know, maybe I will and I'll report back on it. Okay. So that was our love and hate. And uh, Kyle, you Picked a song for us to go out on. Uh, who, who is it that we're listening to right now? So it's a new project from a uh, longtime Denver music superhero, uh, Nathaniel Rateliff. 
And I think it's just a short thing. He's played two shows already. He's playing another show um, on Saturday the 1st that's under the name Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. So that's his new band side project thing? It's his new band side project thing. They're releasing a single, so two songs, and then I don't think they're doing anything more with it. And it's total departure from what he's done in the past, and it's big band on stage, sounds like soul. Nice. It's really not at all the folky stuff he's done before. And then, so he's playing this, they're playing the show uh, this weekend, Releasing uh, a record, a and then he's going to start working with the Carlos Symphony Orchestra. Okay, so cool. So you can check out thing. this new uh, this new Nathaniel Rateliff project at what is that? The High Dive. High Dive. High Dive on Saturday. So Saturday, go, June first. Saturday, June first, because we're recording this on Thursday. So go check it out. And that is it for this week. Thanks a lot, Kyle, for for sitting in with us. Thank you. We'd love to have fun. you back. Will you, will you actually come back, or do we, do we frighten you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll come back. Okay, awesome. Okay, so if you'd like to share a little bit of your own love or hate or uh, talk to us about any of the things we, we discussed today, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. Our theme music is by TJ Miller and from his extended play EP. Our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. For uh, Ron, Vanessa, I'm Jared Mayer. Thanks for listening. 